as long as people are listening, research is important. When people don't listen, that means you're just off researching the wrong thing. This is Aaron May. I'm John Henry Forster, and this is Awkward Silence. Silences. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Awkward Silences. Today, we are here with Shipra Kayan, and she is the head of design research at Upwork. She's been there for about 10 years, and so she has a wealth of experience with managing all things research and design and user insights at a growing and iterating and evolving a team and company. So we're so lucky to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's good to be here. Great. So let's jump right in. So um, as we as we discussed, you have been in this role for a while and I've seen a lot of iterations of what design research looks like over the years. In that time, um, how have you thought about designing research when you could be running any kind of study to generate the insights that are going to be the most useful for what you're trying to accomplish from a product roadmap perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, so, so my background isn't necessarily like purely design research. I did UX design. I was a product manager for a few years. And so I do approach design research with a very, very like business strategy, like background and, and making sure we're, we're doing the stuff that moves us forward. Uh, and, and this can sometimes be a little tactical. Like I think there are some teams where, especially as you're just starting out growing a research function in a company, you, you can tend to focus on more uh, usability or validation studies. But um, over the years, like you really need to start thinking about like what's what's going to be happening like two years, three years from now. So I'm really lucky having been at this company so long that we have a research team where we spend, you know, a good chunk of our time on like Horizon 3 uh, projects that are going to impact the company two or three or five years down the line. So like we're hoping to spend like 20, 30% of our time doing those sorts of projects. The, the rest of our projects tend to be discovery strategic projects based on the year's roadmap. So that's um, that's all one team who's doing like the more short-term stuff and the longer-term uh, Horizon stuff as well? Yeah, yeah, it's all one team. Um, it's a team we've built over the last three years. So it's not a very, you know, established or old team. <laughs> like we're still figuring out what the company needs and how the team can work with the rest of the company. Um, but it is the same team uh, and, and the model we've chosen is to have like a couple of people or one person really focusing on those like Horizon 3 drop topics versus like everyone chunking up their work that way. But cool. yeah. What, what, um, what does research that far out like actually look like? Is it like your favorite discoveries research, favorite discovery research or is it like something like totally different or? You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's totally like discovery. Like, you know, something we as a company might want to think about is like how virtual reality might, might impact work, right? But we're not doing that. Like that's not the type of Horizon 3 research I'm talking about. Like we're still focused. So Upwork is a platform that connects freelancers with jobs. And we're still thinking about like what do freelancers need 
to feel supported. And even if we're not going to build it this year, like how can we impact our business strategy moving forward? And do we need to go beyond the services we offer freelancers today? So that might be something that we think of as Horizon 3 project. What do you do with that research? I'm imagining, you know, you have your Horizon 3 research team that's focused on that kind of stuff. And you've got these amazing insights that don't fit in a neat box of your current products or any roadmap you currently have. Where do you stick that stuff? Oh my gosh. You know, we're, like I said, like we're just starting out. I think, I think we have like a lot more experience like doing discovery for sort of, you know, something that we're going to try and build this year in the next couple of quarters, maybe later this year, right? We have like a lot more experience like taking that research into roadmaps. So the broader thinking uh, or, or the far out research, it ends up being sort of conversations that need a lot of time to settle and trickle down and get reframed and repeated. And so I don't imagine that it's gonna really be like this. Oh, we did this two-month study and here's kind of our three-year strategy. Like it's not that easy. It's just more sort of conversation starters. Um, whereas I think I think the more kind of near-term discovery projects have, you know, much more of a process of taking the insights and uh and, and kind of thinking about like, how, what do we do on the roadmap? Um, I just have to ask the product question of who determines what's the short-term research and what's on the horizon, right? Like how do you draw yeah. the buckets of this idea is something we'll get to maybe later. This is something we need to get to soon. That whole process in and of itself seems really challenging. Totally. So how do we set our research roadmaps? Yeah. How do you know what's a horizon idea versus something more near-term? Oh yeah. So basically my job, I mean, which like, used to be like actually building stuff when we were smaller has become really like sitting in a lot of meetings, which sounds boring, but uh, you know, so that I, I, that is my job. So we have like all of our usability or more tactical validation studies are built off of whatever's on the roadmap already. So like I would say the PMs and the designers get to really uh, dictate that. And I don't, I don't try to mess with that. I just make sure we're prioritizing those studies uh, to the, to the right level. Um, I think the, the discovery studies, even with kind of what might impact the roadmap now or like this year, uh, it tends to be um, either something that a PM or a group of PMs like already are thinking about, or it could be something, a question that no one's asking, but like a set of assumptions that I see flying around in multiple teams. And then I'm just like, okay, wait, like all of these teams are assuming uh, that they, they have different assumptions about why a certain segment of customer doesn't sign up. Then that's, that's kind of my job is to sit in all of the different uh, team readouts and be like, okay, wait a second. Like, what if we just kind of pulled all of these assumptions together into one study and like, how could we change then the roadmap of these particular teams. Um, so that's, that's kind of my job. In terms of Horizon 3, like that's more meeting, uh, meeting with leadership one-on-one -on -one and just like sussing out like what is it that we could do that, that they're open to listening uh, to, right? Because they're like, now we're a public company. Like they're thinking, you know, <laughs> about our earnings. They're thinking about different things and it's hard to describe. I think it's just like me sussing out like what is it that they will be open to listening to and, and what is it that maybe three years down the line will be ready to tackle. 
Yeah, I love that. If if I told this to someone who would listen, yeah. which is the precondition for action. You know, even if the action's not going to happen for years, will someone listen to me? I think yeah. that's super valuable for a lot of people we're talking to are looking for how do I get more impact out of the research I'm doing? And that feels like a useful starting point for a lot of cases. Yeah, I mean, as long as people are listening, research is important. When people don't listen, that means you're just off researching the wrong thing. Like, So, okay, so you're talking, we've been talking a lot about kind of Horizon 3 and really strategic research, but let's get back to the, you know, the 60, 70% of what you're spending your time doing, which is the stuff either right in front of you or within kind of the next year ahead of you and how you take all of this insight in and then turn it in to something cohesive that looks kind of like a roadmap. How do you get from point A to point B? Yeah, just get people in a room and hash it out. (laughs) In 30 seconds. Yeah, I actually need help with this. So if you can stay on afterwards. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's a work in progress, right? Like, uh, but I mean, for me, like my, um, the one thing that I truly believe in is like workshops or like co-synthesis, so co-working sessions with multiple people. Um, Because like, there's no way that a researcher can synthesize a study to impact a roadmap the same way that a PM, a designer, an engineer, and a researcher can synthesize the same study. So I'm really, really like big on workshops uh, and kind of want to build the team that can facilitate sense making together. And so that's really kind of the philosophy with which we approach this process. And like, we're not perfect and nobody is, but uh, maybe I can tell you about a few things that we do on our journey. Actually, it starts before we do any research. Um, and every time I've skipped this step, like I've, like I personally, like in a recent project, didn't elicit hypotheses from stakeholders. And it just like, I didn't even like, come, I wasn't even able to write a report. So I think it really starts from before you conduct any research to get like, we, we do like from Intuit, we borrowed the FOG, uh, which is facts, opinions, and guesses framework. But it's also called assumptions gathering or hypothesis gathering workshops. This is like getting everyone in a room and saying, okay, here's the topic we want to learn about. Uh, What do we know factually based on our data or past research? Uh, What are are some things where we have strong opinions that are like rooted that we can agree on as a group are probably kind of true. Um, And what are some guesses that we hope are true perhaps, or that would you know, th- these are the assumptions on which we're going to base our strategy or our roadmap. And that's where, uh, for me, it, as a researcher, it's, it's kind of opens up my eyes to, like, what is it as an organization that we're not sure about? Um, how is it that we might be wrong? And, like, what are the foundational questions that we need to answer? So that's kind of where we start. It's a, it sounds very like, I know it sounds very meta, but that's where we start. We, uh, everything we create, all our documents are ordered, so prioritized. Mm-hmm. So anytime we have key questions, assumptions, we prioritize it. It's because you can't do everything. It really helps once you do have data it, to do like a co-synthesis session. Um, 
where everyone can look at the data together. Um, I can talk about how we do that if that's interesting or I don't know if you guys yeah, have Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's, if we could take a step back, right? Because yeah. I always come back to like hierarchies and architectures because yeah. I don't know, that's how my brain works. So we've got, we've got on the one hand, we've got this like workshop, which is a yeah. way of kind of making sense out of things. And then we've got a study, an inquiry, yeah. fog. We've got these like things we want to probe into. Yeah. And then... And then somewhere over here, we have like a roadmap we're trying to get to. How do all those pieces fit together? Like, where are we starting? Are we starting with the goal of building like a roadmap? You know, we think of it in terms yeah. of annual roadmap. I don't know. It's obviously a never ending thing. And there are different roadmaps for different products. So yeah. where are we trying to get and how do these pieces kind of fit together? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'd love to... My gosh, yeah, I'd love to hear what JH thinks of this because, like, it's always like uh, differing perspectives. But there are like, there's three places I we've started. Uh, the one that I love to start at is uh, we, it, it's usually like the product teams. I think in most tech companies tend to be like the core of roadmaps. They're the heart. So one place we might start is a product manager knowing that we need to solve a certain problem. So we start with a problem. And one example, I'm trying to think of like what examples I can give you that like don't give away a company strategy, but I'm just going to make stuff up. Let me ask or, you a question. Do you usually yeah. start with a business problem or a user problem or are they one I, in the same? I, I think they're very related. Like you, like I think it, it uh, I think if it's usually like a business opportunity right maybe not a problem but uh let's say one uh, opportunity is hey if we want to serve larger businesses we need to fit into the budget control system right mm -hmm. that's like I, you might call it a business problem or user problem it is kind of a problem that both the customer has and we have like we're not going to succeed but it's we don't know what to do like we know we need to fit in there, but we don't know what to do there. And that's like a really nice place for um, you to bring in a researcher and like really work through like what are the tasks, what are the things that we need to um, solve for here. Um, knowing that we need to make this whatever corporate controller happy at every company, uh, at every customer company. I think the, the other place we start at is a feature, right? So one example is, um, that I think I could tell you guys about is um, uh, we at one point we said oh my gosh like so many interviews get scheduled over messages and people going back and forth we should have like an interview scheduling feature where you like within messages it's like super cool you just say hey I'm free on Saturday and it becomes a little doodle poll blah blah so we're like oh my god this feature is amazing let's build it um, and, and we started from a feature, but we ended up like just, I think there were some questions from leadership on like, is this really a priority? And so we ended up taking that, is this really a priority? And being like, okay, what's the user's goal? And can we survey like this within this whole process, how important this scheduling interviews? And like, is that really something that's delaying their task completion by two days or does everyone have Calendly? I don't know. We're like, okay, let's let's really like figure this out. Um, so those are, I think, two extreme places we usually start with. Um, 
like where else? I think obviously the validation stuff is pretty simple. Like that's usually some sort of discovery has been done and there's a feature on the roadmap and we need to do a study. Uh, that stuff is pretty straightforward and there's no like, you know, we, we don't need to challenge every study that comes our way. Yeah. Got it. So in the case of the, um, the calendar integration, yeah. Yeah. Booking, that might be something that wasn't on a strategic roadmap that came up opportunistically. Yeah. Once validated through a survey, then it gets put on the roadmap. Whereas I'm making assumptions. So tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. Whereas the, um, the issue of we need to, you know, have better options for the controllers, yeah. of larger businesses. Yeah. That was a strategic thing that maybe was already on the roadmap and you kind of want to get in there and figure out what that looks like. Is that yeah. kind of how that? That's kind of how that goes. And like with the calendar thing, basically we went back, we didn't do a survey. We did um, actually a deep, we kind of reframed the question to uh, what, like, what are the things that cause unnecessary delays in hiring somebody? So we reframed it because that was the assumption of the problem they were solving. And then we just went out and did like a very qualitative study. Um, and like that item kind of went off the roadmap, other things went on as a result of us, yeah, us doing like another inquiry. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear because I feel like um, a big piece of this is, um, I liked a couple of things that you said. One is, you know, how to make uh, use of the insights at the end um, kind of starts in the beginning by getting all the people together and actually agreeing on what you're trying to learn yeah. um, and then dealing with all the, uh, you know, the artifacts that come out of it is easier because there's kind of that upfront alignment. But then the other piece is um, the reason for doing this is because there is uncertainty and you're trying to, you know, reduce it and learn more about a given, you know, user problem or business strategy or whatever it may right. be. Throughout that whole process, there's an acknowledgement of the uncertainty. Then that group is comfortable with the idea of abandoning it. Like the outcome can be, there's nothing here. Let's put something else on the roadmap. Yeah. Whereas if it's not framed that way, then there's this like inertia to be like, well, we got to do something with scheduling. Cause like we said, scheduling yeah. and we've been doing this research and we have this pile of insights. So like, let's, let, you know, let's figure something out. And that's, yeah. that's in my mind, just not the purpose, right? The purpose is to um, kind of find that fork in the road. And so I think like the way you're describing that process seems to allow for that. Is that yeah. kind of what you guys are trying to do basically? Or Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, really great way to frame it i think i think yeah that acknowledgement of we are open to learning versus uh, we just need to check this box is like super important and like we're not a big enough team that we can afford for research to be a checkbox so we want to go into places where we're uncertain and you know we don't always make the right decisions i'm sure there's like stuff where we were more confident than we should have been about an idea because it seemed really uh, straightforward. And I've done this, like having being a researcher myself, like I've definitely launched features without researching that I failed. And then you research afterwards to figure out like, wait, why, why did that fail? And what were we, how were we wrong? And how can we, what can we learn? So I think it's, it's uh, yeah, it's an acknowledgement that we have something to learn, which uh, yeah, you're totally right. Cool. There's a, I feel like there's a way of describing this where it's like a PM, a designer, a researcher, and a developer all walk into a room together and <laughs> totally figure it out. Like they all work together. There's like a and then the marketer comes in and says, guys, <laughs> why didn't I know about this? Yeah. Get the marketer in the room. <laughs> 
Um, so when, it, when in that process, you talked about the workshops, I want to hear more about that. So um, how throughout the process of sort of problem defining and assumption naming, uh, do you get folks involved in workshops and other, other methods of kind of co-figuring stuff out? Uh, a lot of kind of the workshop process is really about like democratizing a little bit, you know, so it's not like the PM or the VP or whatever, like having an opinion, like it's really about us writing things down, creating a framework, uh, rationalizing things. Um, so, so at the end of the day, we don't have like one person with their one takeaway who listened to one user. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of one way that we did it. It's where everyone was there and we just did an affinity. Um, and we, we were like, okay, here's like the two, three things I'm thinking that seem meaningful. And we did a two by two with like impact and like uh, effort, you know, like very MBA. Like that was, that's one example. Uh, I think for a different type of study where um, it's a longer term study, it's more let's say 20 people are peripherally involved. We might do something like having people read a couple of transcripts each and come in and do a round robin where each person who's part of this workshop or part of this prioritization meeting uh, have like a couple of hours of empathy where each person kind of introduces the user that they read about and what they took away, what they were surprised, what surprised them. Um, what was their aha moment? Uh, and so we go around, introduce the user. So we always start with like this raw data and empathy and then build towards um, a framework for how, how we're going to prioritize um, the stories or the problems or the opportunities that we found in the, in the insights. For different, it sounds like you're talking yeah. almost, at least in the first example, like a, a sprint of, yeah. of some um, how do you determine which people are going to get involved in which kind of way, be it affinity mapping or sharing their stories of empathy? Is it based on time available? Who's sort of signed on to be part of this sprint? Like who gets involved and how using what methods? Like how do you decide that? Oh, man. I think for a smaller study, like the week-long study, it's like a product, like core team, which is a PM, a designer, engineer, researcher, uh, product marketing manager. So, so I think for something more contained, it's the core product team. For something broader, it might be folks from legal and operations and people who like generally may not even uh, be involved in interviews, but they are involved in developing the policy or the services or the products that we want to uh, that we want to affect with the research so for a broader study it's kind of very much figuring out like who makes these decisions <clears throat> and like who do we want to involve shout out to legal out there i think those are first <laughs> oh, yeah. we have like uh, literally the most innovative legal team I've ever like I work with them so much and they're amazing they're like they understand design thinking they get it that kind That's of warms cool. my heart <laughs> it also makes the lame joke I was trying to set up about a pm and somebody else walking into a bar or whatever if you throw a lawyer in there now you're really cooking That's no so one knows cool. where it's going <laughs> yeah exactly now you've opened up a whole new world of possibilities um 
this all makes a ton of sense to me um, in terms of like, you know, you get people involved in this process, this workshop and, and kind of be in the room together and, and do that affinity and do this other, do these other exercises. Um, do you think about how to like take any of the like key distillations from that process and make them accessible to like the broader organization? Or is it, you know, we've gotten a good size cross-functional team involved in this topic and the idea of getting it out further is not as important. Cause I always, I always want to like democratize and share it all, but that part's really hard. And if you had all the right representatives in the room and they all know it, maybe that's enough. Or how do you think about that? Oh my gosh. I like, I know how hard it is to document because like no one wants to do it. I make sure like, unless it's like a very tactical validation usability study, like everything needs to be documented. Um, I think it's super important because like having been here 10 years and like now on my way out, obviously now I think it's even more important, but um, I think it maybe it depends on the culture of the company. Obviously I haven't been anywhere else in a long time, so I don't know, but here we tend to be readers. And um, I think really like sort of thinking about what are the, you know, six, seven, eight, ten sort of studies that are going to be referenced a lot in the future. Like, I think writing everything down is super important. Um, so, yeah, we do write and uh, we don't do a lot of presentations. We do a lot more sort of write out a deck or a memo or whatever it is, and people read it. Um, even during some of our actually review meetings where uh, we're all reading and commenting and then like discuss the important things that came out of it. So I think we're, we're a reading culture. So I, I definitely think documentation is important. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think here's the other thing that I see a lot that kind of is killing me right now. Um, I feel like in the room, there's so much rich conversation uh, that when you read about it, it seems to be distilled into something really trite. You know, like, like for instance, instead of saying, like, I'm just I kind of making this up, but instead of saying, uh, the problem is that Mary, like, knows nothing about plumbing mechanics or costs are common issues with plumbing. So she's worried about being ripped off when she hires a pl plumber, right? Like that's a really rich story. Um, and then what lands on a deck might be, um, people don't trust plumbers on our platform. So we need to build trust, right? And then that's not quite as inspiring to a designer or someone building a solution. But I think what, what, what the people in the room are trying to do is they're like, well, we want to solve for Mary, but we also want to solve for, uh, I don't know, Anne, who is hesitant to invite a mechanic into her house when she's alone. And we're also trying to solve for Brad, who's blah, blah, blah. Like, so so I, think, I think this is kind of the, the translation from rich data to like something really trite that then is as meaningless as where you were before the research. I think that's a problem with documentation that... Um, that I want to get over where we're really like documenting some of these more inspiring, like out of the hundred stories, like what are the two, three stories that we should be solving or one, what is the one story that we should be solving versus like us, like having loss aversion and trying to group like all hundred stories into one problem statement that mm -hmm. like then doesn't mean anything. 
So that, I don't know, for me, like that's the battle I'm fighting in terms feels, of, yeah. It, it feels a little like um, the undercurrent or the thread through all of this is like editing is really hard, right? Like we think of like editing and like, you know, I'm writing a story and somebody edits for me or whatever, but it's also like, you know, um, between like good and great designers, like the great designers know how to remove more and more of the non-essential stuff and keep editing it out and leave you with this really plain, you know, great usable thing. Um, and taking all these insights and all these stories from users and editing them down to like a plan and a roadmap is, is really hard. And I don't think, I don't know. I don't think we talk about it that way so much. And there's something about the story element of the way you just mentioned it, that, that kind of triggered it for me. Cause it's often a lot of like, you know, focus is about saying no or like tying stuff to strategy. And it's like, <clears throat> what you're really trying to do is take this like collage of all these data points and all these cool things and pull out the right ones, the essential ones and, and kind of thread that narrative. And, um, I don't have like a, a great point here other than it's really hard. And I think that's an under-discussed yeah. part of all this. It's an art at the end of the day, as much as we like to think we're a science-based, I mean, the research process is, you know, fairly rigorous, but yeah, road mapping is an art. Yeah, yeah. Art, art and science, uh, you know, dichotomies are tough. Art and science go, go together more than they don't, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I think I was thinking that, you know, your emphasis on kind of workshopping and bringing people together feels like a pretty good hedge against this potential trap of the kind of solo artist genius sitting alone in a room and making sense of this like morass of qualitative data, right? Like bring some other people in, see if you all get to the same conclusion together so that obviously a trained professional researcher is hopefully not going to let unconscious bias and confirmation bias and all of that, you know, draw them to the wrong conclusion. But it does seem like a pretty good way to not only get buy-in, but to kind of hedge against yeah. one person. Maybe you're just tired, <laughs> you know, or and there's researcher bias. Yeah. Bring in some other people and see what you end up with. I, I think to me that feels maybe a little bit hard to do all the time at scale for every interview. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like a pretty great um, ingredient in your toolkit to um, get to some better conclusions. Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences, brought to you by User Interviews. Theme music by Fragile Gang. Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd. <laughs>